Hello and welcome to The Book Album, your place for everything related to reading and language. I'm your host, Mackenzie Gentz. Now, bookmark that book and let's begin. Hello, hello and welcome to the show. Hallo und herzlich willkommen zu unserem Podcast. Today's episode is our week nine of reading check-in, our first reading check-in of the year 2022. And this one is quite a different episode than our normal reading check-ins are because dun, 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 I am behind on my reading for the first time in se- probably two or three years on my reading, several years, um, and the first time I am truly behind, like significantly behind, on one of these check-ins. So I've finally caught myself at a point that hopefully will get, be helpful not only for you all but for me to check in and to see what's going on and why I'm behind, how to fix it, and furthermore I think an interesting discussion arises of is this actually a problem or is just this something that is the result of the season and therefore something that is interesting to observe but not necessarily actively solve. So let's talk about where I'm at. This episode will probably go up on a Friday of week nine of the year. And I am currently heading into week nine here at five books, meaning that I'm four books behind (laughs) and also meaning that I have about a month of reading to catch up on, which is, you know, I almost want to posture it as slightly embarrassing. Of course, I'm the reading lady. I have all of the literature news up my alley, but I digress. Really what it means is I haven't been reading really at all (laughs) compared to what I would normally be at at this time of year, which is um, quite a bit ahead four to six books ahead at this point of the year compared to past years. This is my seventh year doing the reading challenge. My first uh, book a week reading year was 2016. So it was, uh, it's been a quite long and amazing journey of reading so many books per year. Um, And again, from my past year's data, it's quite unusual for me to be so behind at this point, but we'll get into it. Susan Sontag has a great quote. I've been reading a lot about writers and, you know, their routines and their foci on schedules and what they eat and how they relax, how they rest, right, and how they run. And we've been talking about this quite a bit on Patreon. So if you want to hop in on the discussion there, patreon.com slash relevance of literature for sure is the place to go. Um, But Susan Sontag, especially, um, is a writer who I'm really interested in, and I'd love to read more of her work and dive into her more on the show. Um, But essentially, her posture about reading versus writing is that reading is great, but it's also a great distraction from writing. (laughs) And I'll post the link for this article that I'm referencing in the show notes at relevanceofliterature.com slash notes. Um, but as you may tell, I am alluding to, uh, a big piece that I'm writing now, and that has necessarily affected my reading. And I think that it's very natural 
at least from what I can tell from reading a lot of autobiographies of writers, reading a lot of deep dives and interviews with other writers, that they start to read a lot less when they start writing significant, significantly more or in a significant or meaningful way. And that makes a lot of sense to me, um, especially because of this emphasis on individualism and sort of being able to produce something that is your own work, right? <laughs> you don't want to like incidentally plagiarize something you read a couple months ago and just not remember that you're plagiarizing the ideas or the contents or the style. But there's also this kind of sense that you are well read enough oftentimes once you start writing to place your efforts in the continuum of past literature. And I think that's so important as well as this balance between understanding what's come before and what is coming alongside you in the literary avoir and also being individualistic enough to <laughs> make your place known. Um, so for me, what am I writing? <laughs> I am writing um, a dissertation level thesis for my senior thesis of my undergraduate work. Um, I'm not saying it's dissertation level in the sense that, oh, look at me, I'm so smart. That's not the case at all. It's just a big project, um, is how I look at it. So it's about 120 pages is where it will end up being, and I'm about halfway through the writing process for that. So again, it's this sort of book level project, and it's something that... I have started to put more and more emphasis on and work on in my everyday life. So for example, I have this routine where I get up bright and early at 5 and 6 a.m. depending on my bedtime and write for between two and four hours and, you know, just sort of get a lot of the writing and outlining parts out of the way for the day. Um, I'm also doing a writing challenge with one of my close friends uh, where we write a thousand words every day and I'll admit I am doing terribly. I am not writing a thousand words every day. Um, my writing actually comes at sort of these spurts and that's something that I'm working on uh, where, for example, I write, I'll write, you know, four to five hundred words or three hundred words for five days and then I'll write thirty six hundred words and then I'll continue on to my like slower lower streak and then write a bunch again you know four days later so there's a lot to discover in this process and there's a lot to learn about not only myself and my own habits and the way I work um, I've learned a lot about the way I work and the way sort of my energy works as well um, learning a lot about energy management as opposed to time management, which I think is such an important skill to leave my undergraduate work with. Um, but yeah, this, this big project, of course, is taking up so much more of my time and my mental space than anything before this has. And that necessarily is going to cut into everything that I'm doing other than this project. And my hope is, is that this is this sort of... <laughs> process is really helping me hone in the, again, the skill set of energy management, time management, and one day maybe it won't take up as much of my whole self. Maybe that won't be the case and I'll just continue on in my writing career, you know, and reading less, but 
We'll see. In that case, we'll have to switch to some short stories on the show or something. <laughs> we will see. Um, but yeah, again, I think this Susan Sontag kind of idea, where this idea comes from, that is, um, is really fitting. It's reading is so wonderful and I miss it so tremendously. And at the same time, it's such a valuable and worthy distraction from writing. <laughs> and that's something that um, I can't afford, honestly, at, at this point. So I am still reading, obviously. I'm getting through books and I have just stacks and stacks of books that I hope to get to this year. Um, but sometimes, and especially now, there's seasons where reading will be tossed up for writing. So in that sense, in this prescriptive part, I don't want to point to my lack of progress, or progress rather, on reading and say this is a problem, because I know where the time is going. If I were not writing a book, if I were essentially just going about my days as I had, right, and I wasn't reading at all, and I was just, you know, watching YouTube or doing something marvelously unproductive, then, and I, maybe even if I didn't know precisely where the time was going, that would be problematic, right? <laughs> I would kind of have to go back to the drawing board and question what's going on with my time and why am I putting my time into things that don't add as much value as reading does? Um, and I think that's where it, where the decision-making lies for, for me at least, is looking at where is the value in your life and where is the value and where is the meaning coming from, right? And from there you can diagnose and say, you know, is, is reading just not as much of a priority right now as it usually is? And why is that? Is it because I am looking to numb and sort of escape from something, or is it because I'm doing something closer to my life's work, you know? And there's obviously many, many different reasons in between those two extremes of the binary I just proposed, but looking at it from a perspective of values I think is so important and something that can really lead you to providing good and lasting and meaningful solutions to this kind of a challenge, reading a book a week, which is no small feat, right? Even if you read all novellas, like if you read all 100 to 120 to 200 page books, that's still, a, that's still 52 books, that's still 52 big ideas that you're grappling with. 52 maybe authors or <laughs> less authors depending right? And that's still time and money and energy that you're putting into it. And so it's really important to understand where you're coming from with it, right? Why pursue this challenge unless it is something that is, at the end of the day, something that's congruent with your values and something that you know to be tenable and ultimately worthwhile. So in terms of things that I do when I find myself in reading ruts, and, you know, thesis work aside, I, I often do get a couple weeks behind on the reading, and sometimes, you know, it's just a lack of variety in terms of I'm reading a lot of the same thing, or I'm reading books that grapple with ideas that I'm just not ready to tackle, or have ta tackled recently, or, you know, any number of things. There's a book, um, 
that I stopped reading uh, in the summer, and that happens so rarely to me. I'm one of those people who really likes to finish the book. Um, I give myself 100 pages, and if I am not completely immersed within 100 pages, I can, I will make the, the judgment of, <laughs> is this the right time to read this book? I think that I'm someone who can really find interest in almost anything, so it's quite unusual for that to happen, but yeah, over the summer, a couple years ago, probably 2020, I stopped reading a book, uh, and that was, it was just not the right book at the right time for me, and so that, when that starts to happen, that can start to happen quite often, where I finish books, but they weren't really that engaging to me, you know, engaging enough to finish them, but not, like, riveting, that can start to really put a, put a pin in your engagement with reading in general, right? So, my first tip here is to read what you want, not what you should, right? So, I think especially people like me who have this huge back library, right? I have a whole shelf of unread books still, and <laughs> this is like one of my um, most existential problems, really. Um, it can get really easy to look at that shelf and say, man, I really should be reading more James Joyce right now because I have so many, or for me, it would be uh, William Faulkner. I have so many William Faulkner books that I just have, have clearly not read uh, that are sitting on that shelf that I would love to read and it's just not the time yet to read them. Um, and so, you know, what do I want to read right now? To give you a very tangible example, I want to read Haruki Murakami. I just want to read him all day and all night, and that's it, you know? <laughs> I just want to sort of go back to his back catalogue of books and just read all of them. Um, the ones I haven't read, I've read most of them by now anyway, but, right? So, switching from I stopped reading a couple of books, actually. I think I had started Heart of Darkness, and it wasn't the right time um, to reread that. And I had started another book, and I just <laughs> kind of got to, like, page 50, and I said, I'm going to put a bookmark, and I'm going to put this on my I am currently reading this now shelf, but I'm not ready to finish it now. So, right, and I started more Haruki Murakami, uh, specifically what I talk about when I talk about running, um, his quasi-autobiography, which is wonderful and super helpful for me as I also go about learning about running and about writing and about just creating a life and a discourse with yourself in that way. And that's what I talk about on the Patreon episode for March, by the way, is that book and its impact on me and my habits and my thinking about writing and reading. My second tip would be shorter or lighter or easier books, um, right? Even, like I said, 52 short books are still 52 books, in my opinion, and it's really more about consistency and momentum and getting weekly or bi-weekly or, you know, bi-weekly bi in the sense of twice a week or bi-weekly in the sense of two every two weeks. Getting those wins in is so critical. And that's going to, again, help you get the momentum you need to keep going and this, like, everyday type of consistency. What matters is not that you read one book in one day and then two weeks later, one book in one day. It's that you read every day. 
right? It's that reading becomes ingrained into your system, right? And when you have a bad day or when you have a busy day, you still read. Even if it's a page, even if it's 20 pages, whatever it is, you read every day and that becomes part of like, almost like part of your consciousness and part of just your daily ritual and your daily routine. Um, that's something that is going to be tremendously helpful for you because you're not going to have to fight yourself to make time reading. You have time set aside every day, no matter what, to do it. Um, and so when you have, so for me, for example, I read when I go to bed and when I get up in the morning. And so when I go to bed, I might be going to bed late, you know, and I might think I only have time to read a couple pages. So I'll just literally read until I fall asleep. Uh, and I usually dream about <laughs> what I've just read. So I need to read lighter stuff when I go to bed is what I've realized in the past uh, year or so. Um, dreaming a lot about <laughs> Murakami's fantastical world, which is great. Um, and then when I get up, you know, I can read something a little bit more dry, something that will help me like get up and seize the day kind of situation. So um, I've read a lot more German romanticism, for example, uh, in the mornings, a lot more like drier autobiographical type of stuff in the mornings, not memoir, but more towards like the harder biography side. Um, and so yeah, that's something that I do every day no matter what, and I often only have 20 minutes in the full day to do it right now. Um, but it's something that, again, you know, if I get through 20 pages a day, or 28 pages in my case, I suppose, it's something that is consistent, and I do it every day, and if I read shorter books, I get more wins faster, and that helps me ride the wave of my success and my momentum of finishing a book, right? And continue on into the future of reading and continuing on reading in general in that sense. My third recommendation is audiobooks. Audiobooks for me have been a great tool. I, this is not sponsored by Audible, um, but audiobooks are something that I discovered when I was in uh, probably late high school and I would listen to them while I was driving. Now I listen to them when I walk around, you know, when I have a couple minutes doing dishes or something. Um, and audiobooks are a great resource for me when I'm super busy like this because they allow me to add time into my reading that I maybe wouldn't use for or couldn't use for it um, in any other respect. So if I, you know, had to read a physical book while I did dishes, that would become very difficult. <laughs> and uh, the audiobook really surpasses a lot of those difficulties, which I enjoy. And oftentimes nowadays, the authors themselves read audiobooks. So that's, um, read their own audiobooks. Um, so that's something that's really been fun for me. I love Adam Grant. His narration is so great. Um, he's one of my favorite social psychology authors, um, and he teaches at Wharton. And um, Angela Duckworth's audiobook, Grit, is great. Um, from Adam Grant, I just read Think Again from him. 
of course I have my you know pet theories with social psychology which is why I love it so much it's one of my best hobbies not my discipline of focus of course though um, I really love Malcolm Gladwell's audiobooks. He has done something that is so interesting and creative with the audiobook format, which is he adds in a lot of original tapes and different sound effects, almost like listening to a long podcast. So that's something that's been um, really amazing to sort of participate in as it comes out more and more and as he experiments with the format more and more over the years. Um, right now I'm reading a book called Unprocessed by Megan Kimball, and it's uh, this woman, it's about this woman who is from my hometown, Tucson, Arizona, or she's not from there, but she lives there, um, and I got the recommendation to read this book from a TED talk that I watched on her, and she essentially did an experiment where for a year she only ate what foods that she could process herself, basically. Um, so if it was, you know, some sort of, like, for example, she talks about making her own chocolate, grinding her own grain, and just kind of going and walking back the cat, so to speak, in the process of the food industry. And that's something that I found really interesting. I love perspective shifts. I love it when I can think about food for example, not in like a diet sort of sense, but more in a where is this coming from and where is it going and why kind of sense. And I love that and it's a lot about the history of food and how things developed in certain ways and a lot about the modern supermarket and what's going on there. So I recommend it. It's very, very interesting and I think Megan Kimball does a great job with her audiobook as well. So again, audiobooks, a great way to spice up your reading, to have that personal connection in that sense with the author reading their own words. That's so fun in my opinion. Um, and then also just to get extra reading time in the day. Again, consistency, momentum, wins, those are all so crucial to this challenge. Book clubs is my next recommendation. Uh, this is something that, you know, I have been more engaged with in the past, I'll be honest. Um, my mortality book club disbanded, which was very, very unfortunate for me because that was so interesting and it was something that I looked forward to going to every month and I really prioritized in my reading and also in my personal like schedule of events. So RIP Mortality Book Club, maybe that's an ironic <laughs> sort of send off, but um, I started a book club with my roommate um, and that's been something that's been very uplifting to me in my reading because I get a say of course in the books that we read but it sort of takes the decision fatigue of deciding what to read next off of me and we just read it and there's deadlines for the reading and I think that can be something that provides structure to the reading that can really keep you moving along. And finally, I would just have grace with yourself and just be accepting of the changes in the plan and the changes in the schedule. I think a lot of times, myself included, I've seen people get into these sort of negative feedback loops where they 
uh, get behind two, three, four, in my case, weeks on reading and they are just beating themselves up for it and there's a guilt train every day and then, you know, they think more about the guilt and they think more about the loss and the failure than about how to move forward and about the joy itself of reading. And I think that is such a waste. And this applies, of course, to other areas. But in terms of reading, it's okay to just be accepting of what happens, right? Did I anticipate that I was going to get so behind when I wrote my thesis? Yes and no. <laughs> you know, I thought it was going to be a little bit more balanced and that I wouldn't sort of have my reading speed. But you know, even so, again, I don't see it as a loss, I just see it as a change, and I see it as something that's not permanent, but rather is here for a season. So I would implore you to look at it that way, to look at it in terms of gains and rebalances instead of as losses and failures. And I'll end here with a quick little segment on what I'm reading. So I already talked about Unprocessed by Megan Kimball. Great audiobook. I would completely recommend it. She does a great job. Um, I'm also reading Till by Daniel Kaleman. I'm not reading this in the original German. Uh, this is a, on loan from a friend, actually. So I'm getting through that. Hopefully this weekend I'll finish it. Um, quite interesting. Sort of a historical fiction fantasy type bend. Uh, really based off of the Till Eulenspiegel, um, like folklore kind of tale. I don't know much about Till Eulenspiegel, I'll be completely honest, but um, it's a really interesting read thus far and gets into a lot of what life could have been like in the medieval era, which in Middle Ages, um, which I find interesting. Um, also, what I talk about when I talk about running by Haruki Murakami, this is, again, autobiographical work. Um, Murakami talks about running, and in the process of talking about running, he talks about how he became a writer and the types of things that running contributed to his lifestyle, not only as a writer, but in general as a person, and kind of what his personality is like and how that is suited to running. I would completely recommend it, by the way, for anyone who is uh, interested in writing or interested in the process of writing or interested in writers. Really interesting book. I think I was ready to read a book like this from Murakami, and so I'm really glad that I ended up picking it up. And I'm also reading Die Leiden des Jungen Werthers von Johann Goethe. Johann von Goethe, I suppose. Um, my book in German. Um, this is one of the sort of catalysts of the novel, the development of the novel. It's a German romantic work um, from, you know, a couple hundred years ago. Uh, and it's just lovely. It's just a lovely read and I have quite enjoyed it. Um, I would recommend it for anyone who um, is far enough along in their German to read it. Um, it's been just kind of this beautiful text and I'm so grateful that I am at a language level to be able to read it and take a lot from it. So that is what I'm reading currently. I wonder what you're reading. You can always go again to the show notes at relevanceofliterature.com notes under the notes for this episode to give me a shout. Let me know what you're reading. Let me know where you're at in the reading challenge this year and I am so grateful for you all. 
Of course, my podcasting schedule has been quite all over the place recently, and I apologize for that. I am working diligently to get that back on track, I promise. Uh, but until then, I am so grateful that you all are willing and able and happy to stick with me as we continue the show. See you next time. If you enjoyed the episode and would like to hear more from us, we've done everything from Shakespeare to Dracula. There really is a show and a series for everyone, so I'd recommend checking out our website at relevanceofliterature.com under the ongoing series tab for links to our entire back catalog of episodes, as well as any current goings-on of our show. If you are looking for even more content, we also have a Patreon page at patreon.com slash relevanceofliterature. Thank you so much for your support, and we'll see you next time.